Hello and welcome to On Walking the Way. This week we're going to start a new series and I'm calling Pray Then Like This. And it's a walk through the Lord's Prayer. Let's look at this from Matthew. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Jesus prayed. He impressed his disciples with his prayer to the point that they asked him to teach him to pray. This passage is the longest and most complete teaching on prayer in Matthew. The last section of this teaching has been loved and recited ever since as the Lord's Prayer. I'm hoping to spend a few weeks looking at this familiar prayer to see if there are things that, through repetition and over-familiarity, I have overlooked. In this passage, Jesus begins with negative examples of prayer. Whether it is the self-righteous and self-serving prayers of the religious or the repetitive and hopeless prayers of the Gentiles, Jesus commands his disciples to refuse to follow their lead. Zeal and effort cannot compensate for unbelief. Jesus wanted them to know, first of all, that they have a Father that knows them and knows their needs even before they ask. So Jesus gives his disciples this blueprint for prayer. It is a list of thoughts to include in their prayers. It is shockingly short. It excludes many of the things we spend a lot of time on, and it includes some things that we almost certainly do not think about enough. It seems that Jesus always seems to respond just a bit differently than we expect, So let's look at the first thought Jesus gives us in this prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let's look at this just kind of word by word here. Our Father. This description of God is very powerful. Uh, If we've been raised in a Christian world, we may not be as jarred by this address as we should be. God is our Father. We have been adopted into the family of God with all the privileges that includes. He cares for us as a father. We have complete access to him, just as children have access to their father. This opening phrase immediately closes the gap between us and God. The first thing Jesus wants us to remember is who we are talking to. We are talking to our Father in heaven. Not only is God our Father, but He is our Father in heaven. Our Father transcends this earth. He is not bound by the limitations that we face every day. We are created in His image, but He is not like us in many important ways. He is above us. 
All of creation together does not equal him. He is not a part of creation. He is the creator. All of creation could cease, but our Father would remain. Hallowed be your name. When I was younger, this statement seemed almost redundant, like praying that water would be wet. But then I lost my childish simplicity and began to see the world more clearly for what it is, a world lost in selfish rebellion that fuels actual contempt for its creator and sustainer, a world that, by and large, would rather listen to the lies of demons than the invitation of God, who lovingly endures the madness of evil to offer salvation to all who would come to him for help. As I think about this first petition, I have to ask, what am I really asking God for? If we are petitioning God for his name to be hallowed, what does the answer to that prayer look like? Well, there are a couple of answers that come to mind as I think about this. The first thing I think of is that the answer is really in the next petition. Thy will be done, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. But I would prefer to look at this petition in the next article. The most immediate answer to this petition is a change in attitude for me. Are my words and actions properly reflecting the glory and holiness of God? Does my life bring him glory and contribute to the sense of his holiness? Does my life reflect a reverence for this holiness? Do I hallow his name? So what does it mean to hallow his name? The word translated hallow in Greek means to make holy or to sanctify. But these words are no more clear than hallow to most people. To make holy or sanctify contains the idea of something that is set apart for only one use. Something separate and special. The opposite of common. So God's name is to be held as something separate, special. It is to have no common use, nor are unworthy things to be associated with this holy name. But even the word name needs to be thought about just a bit more. By God's name, the Bible does not mean simply that word that is associated with God, or even the word God. My name is Tom, but to dishonor my name does not mean simply to make fun of the name Tom. It has to do with things that devalue and degrade who I am as a person. It has to do with spreading this dishonor to others. Conversely, to hallow God's name is to do and say things that increase the value of God's person in the eyes of others. To bring about an increased appreciation of God's honor and absolute uniqueness, his beauty and incomprehensible grace, his perfection and authority. To speak in common or vulgar terms about God is the opposite of hallowing his name. To behave in ways that bring dishonor to God is perhaps even more damaging to God's name than using his name in a common or vulgar way. So this week, my goal is to live more deliberately, to do and say things that actively increase God's honor, both personally and in my interactions with others. 
to live and speak as an act of worship to God, whose name is holy and almighty, to honor the Creator by showing love to those He has created and lovingly redeemed from their own rebellion. Have a great week.